0: Who you are? Would that be I would say, be with myself. Being with yourself. Okay. Uh, and you you said being present. Um, when you say being with yourself, do you know who you are right now? Do you know what yourself is? Do you have a clear idea of that? Actually, not
1: really. No.
0: Right. And I think that. Uh, I think that most of the people here would probably say the same thing. I remember back many years ago, obviously, when uh, when I was a student in university, uh, I was uh, I was a, I think it was uh, probably a philosophy class I was in, and the phrase "Know thyself" came up, and I remember I made a real effort. Okay, you know, let me see. I should be able to know myself and discovered that it was uh, it's virtually impossible to just say okay i who am I anyway what is this self so uh, that that is another very accurate description of what meditation is I really like you said to attain the clarity because that's exactly what we discover when we uh, try to look inward and see the nature of our mind and who we are, is a total, it's it's a whirlwind of changing things, and uh, to be able to, to get any clear impression is extremely difficult. And of course you have the other problem that this gentleman mentioned too, that before you know it, you've forgotten what you were trying to do anyway. So, yeah. So, and being present, now I'm interested... Uh, what motivates you in terms of uh, being present and, and being with yourself?
1: Um, I experienced that when I was present, that I stay with the people I'm with or stay with the environment and I am, I feel that I have access to the power that um, it's not about control, but I go through waste to flow and get really joy and Mm -hmm. results uh, with really no effort. But there's time that I couldn't really stay present. My mind is always somewhere else. And then I don't know if it's just because I'm tired Mm -hmm. or uh, there's a way to help me to always stay present. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a question that I try to find out. Right.
0: Okay. Good. Yeah. And, and the good news is there is a way to, to stay always present or uh, at least almost always present and certainly much more present progressively over time. And that is, what you, that is an ability that you can acquire through learning to meditate properly and through practicing meditation is that you find that uh, when you get up from the cushion that, that uh, clarity that you mentioned and that presence uh, remains, uh, and as you say, that when you are fully present, uh, you are in the flow of the moment, and things uh, it 's much more easy easier for you to deal with things you relate more fully to people, and they relate more fully to you, yeah, so there's all sorts of Benefits in terms of the quality of, of your life. Just curious, uh, do you, is there? Do you have any motivation uh, that goes beyond improving the experience of the quality of your life?
1: I would say that um, the motivation will be that. I feel like when I related to people, um, there's abundance between me and the other person, or actually more people in a group setting. Um, even it's not just, it's not a conversation, but it's really, I don't know how to describe it. It's like the world and me, the, the, the barrier is gone. Mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then I I I, 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 guess, I don't know how, it, it's like I my my thoughts come out mm-hmm. and then it shows up right away in the reality. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of pretty magic thing. Uh, I've been to some kind of other seminars talking about really educational like um, about spiritual growth, but not really meditation and which enable me to be present, and I e- experience that. And uh, it, it's just like there's no time delay. Like, it's really, like, I have a thoughts, and they come out. Mm-hmm. And then it shows up, and it was really about this. And it's also, I have the connection, the, connect, the level of connection with people is like, even like, like, you are me, and me are you. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It, that's, I
1: don't know if I... <laughs> yeah, that's
0: very good. So you you've already had a taste of how how uh, wonderful this can be if when you when you are fully in the present and you can really connect with mm-hmm. the world and, and the other people in it in a, in a very different way. Right,
1: and it's really the feeling of love and the infinity. Yeah. And like I, I can I, I
0: would
1: stay in a mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And not only me but Well, it it really doesn't
0: matter who is who, you know, in that kind of situation. Well, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Uh, I'd like to hear someone else, what meditation means to you and why you want to do it. And and also feel free to comment on what uh, other people have said. Yes?
1: my mind to prolong the time that I meditate to be able to focus and concentrate more.
0: So you already meditate? I mm-hmm. do. And you find that... How long do you meditate for now?
1: Um, if I can do like 15 minutes, that's good. My mm-hmm. mind wanders. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to um, better my concentration mm-hmm. um, prolong the time
2: Oh, good, yes.
1: And connect to higher consciousness and create, um, create abundance and prosperity in my life.
0: Okay. So for you, meditation is stilling your mind, calming your mind. Uh, and, uh, and by the way, I think you're going to leave this weekend uh, with all of the tools you need to be able to meditate for much longer periods of time. With, and and learn to have less mon- mind wandering and eventually no mind wandering. So, uh, but also as far as your your what your reason for meditating? Could you just repeat what, the last thing that you said? I that? want
1: to connect to higher consciousness. Connect to, to higher connect consciousness. Well, wow. and create abundance and prosperity in my
0: life. And abundance and, and prosperity. Uh, the higher consciousness of you—is uh, that? What does that mean to you? Uh,
3: the source of all that is.
0: The source of all that is. The okay.
3: energy, the creation yes. the universe.
0: Right. We, we could put a lot of names on that, couldn't we? Say, ultimate like. reality, <laughs> ultimate truth. Uh, God, divine. God. Yes. But uh, it all comes down to that. Whatever, whatever there is that underlies all of the uh, appearances that we live in, and then you mentioned, you mentioned prosperity and abundance. So, um, would that take for you the form? Would must that take for you the form of having a large amount of uh, of money or a lot of material goods?
3: No, not necessarily. Um, it's really not about material things. Mm-hmm. It's really more about internally within me. Yeah.
0: So it could come about through feeling fulfilled and satisfied with what the world has to offer you, right. which still doesn't keep you from having more if it comes your way, but things that being yes, that's very good that's an excellent reason for meditating. Because that is indeed, uh, if, if you go beyond just stilling your mind, and you allow the meditation to teach you more about the nature of yourself, why yourself, why this self that you feel you are, Reacts with the world in the way it does. It will give you the keys for having that experience of uh, prosperity and an abundance and satisfaction and fulfillment without being dependent on external factors. So that's what's that's what's very wonderful about it. So, uh, yes.
3: Um, so the uh, things I like to. Uh, prove or get from meditation. I was thinking while everyone else was answering. Instead of listening, I was thinking, yeah. Sorry. Um so I guess there are three and one is uh, I'd like to develop the skill to choose what I think about. Mm -hmm. You know, so that means not wandering, thinking about my breathing solid, if that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. It seems like I should be able to develop that skill. Another is, and it's the outcome of that is I want the ability to choose how I respond to something. Instead of just a reaction, I have the presence to think and realize I have choice and weigh the choices and make a choice. Mm -hmm. So I'm not just reacting. And the third is, I'd like to enjoy the experience of meditating. You know, a, an activity that is uh, enjoyable, doesn't hurt anybody, doesn't cost anything, doesn't make you gain weight, <laughs> doesn't do anything bad at all, but it's just very enjoyable. <laughs> so that seems like a good thing to learn how to do.
0: Yes. I, I think those are really good things to have available to you if you can. The first one, uh, being able to think about something if you want to for as long as you want. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the mind-wandering. And of course, a part of that, I think, is to be able to not think about things that you don't want to not be caught up in the things that uh, are and really that relates perhaps to the second thing you mentioned which is if you have clarity about your, your mind and your mental processes and what you want and uh, what's important to you and uh, everything else then you are not compelled to think and act because you're compelled to think in ways that you don't necessarily want to all the time and so by coming to it's also a part of the stillness by coming to a place of calming the mind knowing who you are and being able to be present in the moment you can overcome the compulsions which otherwise uh, are in control of your thoughts and your speech and your behavior all of your actions so that means that you could essentially start to be the kind of person that you've (coughs) always wanted to be, right? right. And the third thing that you mentioned, you'd like to enjoy meditation. Meditation itself is very enjoyable, and particularly uh, in some of the more profound states of concentration, there is a lot of uh, uh, mental joy and even physical pleasure and uh, uh, it, it's quite a wonderful experience but your choice of words i don't know if i remember them exactly but uh, even better than that is when you're not meditating and living your life is something that is a pleasure and causes no harm to anybody else <laughs> and i don't remember what the other things you said were but that's yeah that's the way you want to live your life in a way that's is, is good for you and not harmful for anyone else were you going to offer something? I was going to say also
1: gaining weight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. okay. Who else? Yes?
2: Uh, I think uh, my uh, what I'm actually seeking is actually a thing, because, uh, it's quite similar to the lady just mentioned about to be present. Yeah. But I think. I'm actually looking for something to be, uh, try to be, uh, have right thoughts at every moment. Right thoughts. And right try thought. to be mm-hmm. uh, with uh, positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Just as uh, looking at things and, and look, look at them as what they are. Try to be, not be confused, like, you know, cover with negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. And uh, try to confuse myself. Looking recently,
0: I, I think I'm I'm seeking this true meditation. Yes, you've you've come to the right place there. Yes. <laughs> so, really, uh, it sounds to me as though you're saying many of the same things that these other people have already said. That, okay. Yeah. Thank you. That anybody else like to offer, especially if anybody has a different idea or impression of what they think meditation is or means, or uh, what the goals and purposes of meditation are. I'd really, really like to hear that. I'd, I'd like for us to all pretty much have all of the different ideas and possibilities that we hold in this group out in front of us as we go into this. So.
1: Yes. Actually, I have one thing, one more on Mm -hmm. top of what I said is uh, I heard a lot of uh, people that uh, hold these spiritual growth classes or, you know, they do meditations because they actually work very, very long hours and they only probably have, like, four hours a day time of rest. And they would actually have very high energy and... uh, and the, you know they're very clear through the whole day. You know I, I don't know how they did it, and almost every one of them saying that they gain that just through meditation. And they don't. It, it's like they don't even sleep or, or eat. eat, just meditate, and they gain its power. And I'm just curious how they did that. Well. <laughs>
0: so you'd like to have that experience? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people can live
1: that way, but it, it seems like that they actually. Do that. They, they really they can be with a, a huge group of people, um, you know, talking for more than like 14 hours a day, and still um, always be on time and kind of always have that clear sauce, like I'll catch everybody's, you know, like they can stay with people all the time, and then they don't really rest, you know, like literally they don't rest. So and they, they did meditation.
0: Well, meditation does certainly provide... It generates a lot of energy. It it does. There are different things a person can do with that energy. <clears throat> and the way that it will manifest is not going to be the same with every person. So uh, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't assume that if you become a really good meditator that you're only going to need to sleep four hours a day and, you know, <laughs> that you can be very dynamic, but you certainly will have more energy and uh, what's more important is a lot more focus. Uh, I think what you notice about the people that you're talking about is they're very focused. They know what they're doing and why they're doing it. Uh, well, focused is one word that way they, that they use, but um, it is the opposite of what I would suggest that probably most people experience is that they're constantly divided against themselves. They're simultaneously going different directions. They're doing one thing but some part of them is wanting to do something else. They make a commitment to something but some other part of their mind is still doubting that uh, uh, they, well, that's just the idea, the general idea that do you not find that you very often uh, if if you could just bring all of your resources, all of what you are to focus on whatever you were doing that you would be far more effective and if you could do that all the time then you would be an extremely dynamic person and you'd be very, very focused and effective in anything that you did. Yeah. And so Definitely, you will. You will experience that if you follow through on the meditative path. That is one of one of the most important things that will come about is that you will come to that place where, uh, to put it very simply, you are not divided against yourself. That you uh, you have uh, a mind that is. Functioning harmoniously, coherently, that you could say it's unified. Yes. Thank you for that. Anyone else? Okay. Either some have said it all, or others are shy. So, um, nobody considers the purpose of meditation to be awakening. No, and oh you do you didn't mention that
2: I well I, I just seemed maybe in a weekend a little audacious to mention um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah I guess I I guess I feel I'm here because I feel a bit inundated with Buddhist information and I'm I'm here for a for a one systematic approach uh-huh. um, I think if Maybe read too much, and uh, I have the schools already debating in my head. And yeah, right. Um, it's the Mahamudra versus Yin versus. Um, so I'm here to get one method that I can use that will work.
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really good. But in terms of the end end result, you 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 do see it as being what is called enlightenment, liberation, well, awakening.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm still a little. Uh, I think from the material I've read, I'm, um, Uh, too much of the notion of Kalpas and to Awakening but I Mm -hmm. um, it would be nice to know that that is human and proximate rather than more celestial, exalted and distant.
0: Oh, wonderful. Yes. Right. So, for those, I don't know if everybody uh, heard him, but he would like the idea that enlightenment, awakening, liberation is something that doesn't happen after countless eons, but rather could actually happen much sooner. And uh, that is something that I would like to communicate to any of you. And, and first of all, though, you don't need to think in those terms to take up meditation and, and get all kinds of wonderful benefits. But for those of you for whom the idea of enlightenment or awakening, or whatever term you want to use for it, but that uh, uh, you somebody mentioned higher consciousness but it's the ultimate higher it was you the ultimate higher consciousness let's call it that that um, for all of you for whom you see that as being a potential outcome of meditation uh, I do want to assure you that it is in it is within your grasp and um, it, It is unfortunate that for various teaching purposes in many traditions there are ideas that plant the seeds that this is something that is virtually unattainable and beyond the reach of most people. And that's not true. It is within everyone's reach. You do have to make it the full primary focus of your life and of your activities. It will not happen as a part-time hobby avocation or something that you fit in amongst your other activities. But it is... is, uh, And that was really... That was the gist of the historical Buddha's teaching and the whole meaning when we say, I go for refuge to the Buddha, is that that enlightenment can be achieved by any human being who is willing to follow the path, to take the steps, and to put in the effort. So that's, that's some good news to share with you. Anyone else interested in um, uh, meditation as a path to awakening in this lifetime? Yeah? Yes? well, oh, good. Good. So when we talk about it, we'll talk about it in those terms as well. Um, what about meditation? Uh, what about the term insight? Is that familiar to some of you?
4: That's kind of what I was wondering. Um, the types of meditation, I sort of feel like Nathan a little. In the in data with maybe too much information Yes. about different styles of meditation and what's... Um, I hear you going back to the the early stages. Yeah. So, are we going to do the inside, or is it going to be calming, or is the, what what style or what venue sure. are are you offering?
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> there is a good question. All right, let's get into the nitty gritty of what we're going to be dealing with here, and what's in that rather lengthy handout I gave you. Uh, first of all, it is a method that was first. Described uh, by the Buddha. So it goes back to at least the beginning of this particular meditation tradition. Uh, and uh, there are the, the Buddha's meditation instructions, specific meditation instructions, are very limited. But they are repeated in several very famous sutras. And uh, you will see what they provide is a step-by-step description of how a person goes from having the sort of mind that we talked about a little bit earlier, subject to, uh, subject to uh, stress, mind-wandering, uh, being driven by compulsion, uh, unfocused, not in the present, uh, scattered, Uh, Not knowing knowing who you are, not really even knowing uh, what it is that you want out of out of life. Going a step by step process, going from there to going to being a kind of person who is who has clarity, focus. They have happiness. I mean, the liberation part here is liberation from suffering, right? And that is one thing that, that uh, you'll find that uh, invariably, when uh, when the Buddha was asked by somebody a question like, uh, uh, "So, what is your doctrine and what is you what do you teach or what is your philosophy or so forth?" He would answer, uh, "What I teach is suffering and the end of suffering," and that's a pretty pretty concise-to-the-point thing there. uh, So, he gave a step-by-step path to this state of being liberated, starting from the ordinary place a person is. And he described it, uh, it's in that handout that I gave you there, the... uh, uh, he says he describes it in terms of meditation on the breath, mindfulness of the breath, and then he describes stages by which that is developed uh, uh, as the person becomes aware of long breaths and short breaths, and then the person becomes aware of the entire body as they breathe, and then the person calms uh, the bodily formations Uh, proceeds to experience joy and happiness Uh, comes to understand uh, joy and happiness for the kinds of mental formations that they are comes to see the nature of mind itself and is able to bring that mind to a state of um, it's very difficult to translate into English and I chose the word delight but you can think of it as a state of uh, a mind that is at ease, because the same word also uh, designates to be in, in a state of uh, ease and rest and comfort. So it's to bring, it's to kind of have a full awareness of the mind and its workings in a state of ease and in a state of concentration and in a state of liberation from all of these things that's normally beset by. Um, then. As far as what I'm teaching you here, it's following those twelve steps. Those twelve, those twelve steps are uh, the first twelve out of sixteen that are in one of the sutras that's called mindfulness of the in and out breath. But the first four of those twelve show up in three other sutras as well. And they are really the, they are describing the foundation for bringing about a meditative state, and we'll spend a lot of time talking about that. Then, quite some time later, uh, nearly a thousand years later, uh, there was another system developed and described by uh, a man uh, named Kamala Shila, Master Kamala Shila, who was a meditation master. And he described the the same process that the Buddha had described uh, in terms of nine distinct developmental stages and clarified certain of those uh, points more so. And uh, the, I, I have modified that a little bit to make it into ten stages. But it, and it doesn't follow exactly uh, Kamala Sheila's stages, but very, very so close, so close that if you were to go and look at that as some source material, you'd immediately recognize everything in it but I have expanded on that quite a bit. Now, am I teaching calm or am I teaching insight? Well, this is probably best described as samatha vipassana. Samatha meaning tranquility or calm and vipassana meaning insight. So it's both. And You're confused by inundation of information of different methods And what you find when you look at those methods is they they like to tell you about all the pitfalls of everybody else's method, right? And how it's a big mistake to do this and not that. Very confusing. Uh, The point of view that I will present to you is that most of those methods, if you really understand them, are really not as different from each other as they pretend to be, nor are they as different from what I'm going to present to you based on Kamala Shila's teaching, uh, nor are they really that different than what the Buddha originally taught. Although what's really interesting, what's absolutely fascinating, and I know you'll have discovered this, and you may well have too, is that if you go to to the teachers of these different meditation methods that claim to be so different from each other, each of them will take the same set of verses that the Buddha taught and interpret it in a, completely, in, in a way that completely supports their approach to meditation and also supports their criticisms of other people who use exactly the same verses to do exactly the same thing. <laughs> Which, to me, the very fact that that happens and is possible tells you as I said, that what they're talking about isn't really as different as they pretend it to be. This method that I'm talking going to to be uh, talking about this weekend is focusing primarily on developing samatha, calm. The tenth and final stage is is the stage that properly bears the label of samata and as we go through the stages you'll see that we're working we're working with the various natural tendencies of the mind training them and molding them so we bring them to, to that state but at the same time all of the important insights are revealed along the way it doesn't mean that the meditator will necessarily... Discover those insights and recognize them, unless they know what to look for, and unless they have some guidance. But even if and and, and those insights can come at at different places in the process. But even if a meditator were to, to practice and cultivate uh, samatha right to the tenth stage without having clearly grasped any of the uh, vipassanas, any of the basic insights from the state of samatha, given a little tiny bit of direction, they would all be immediately available, be very quickly available. So these methods aren't as different from each other as they appear to be. Uh, I don't want to lose too many people, put too many people to sleep who don't know what I'm referring to, while I'm talking to those of you who know more about it, so let me just ask a quick question: uh, How many of you are here are familiar with what's called the uh, progress of insight, described as a steer- series of knowledges uh, that lead to enlightenment? Are
4: you
0: talking about the jhanas No, I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about. It's. Uh, it's a series of uh, uh, stages that a person goes through. That uh, uh, it, no, it's not the Johns. I, I, I just are you? You're, you're about the only one for. I,
2: if if what I'm remembering, if what I, I remember, something in the Tibetan system, that in the fifth stage is something like no more meditation. That you're, there's no more difference between. Yeah. If that's
0: no, that's like, not it. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So, yes?
3: so uh, it's like the eight knowledges?
0: Uh, w- w- which are the eight knowledges that you're thinking of? Can uh, you remember it's just a of few? Sorts of,
2: like knowledge of the
0: rising, rising and, passing and passing away and, and dissolution. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's that's yeah, exactly like right. Okay. okay. Well, I'm not going to go into a lot of technical detail. I'd love to talk to uh, you about this if you're more familiar with all these different systems. But you're not. But let me just, without going into the detail, just tell you that there are a lot of people who will say there's two kinds of meditation: there's samatha and there's vipassana. There's insight and there's concentration meditation. And for those who say that there there is a separate kind of meditation called vipassana, the systems that they work with are based on a series of knowledges that are developed. And they're the, uh, the uh, knowledge... Uh, well, I, I, won't, I won't listen. There's a series of knowledges that you go through that uh, can be numbered. And here I'm giving you a samatha system, which is a series of ten stages. Now, in the vipassana system, there are. They say that true insight begins with the fourth knowledge, which is the knowledge of arising and passing away. And they say that's followed by a fifth knowledge, which is knowledge of what is and is not the path to enlightenment. And then that is followed by a maturation of the knowledge of arising and passing away. And then that's followed, in turn, by a sixth knowledge called the knowledge of dissolution we go through some other stages there okay now if you look at this system here what and compare those two side by side you would find that the fourth stage the knowledge of arising and passing away that is referred to uh, in the vipassana system as the fourth the, the the fourth knowledge of arising and passing away corresponds to exactly to what we would call in this system here the 7th stage of the development of uh, concentration and the knowledge of what is and is not the path to awaken corresponds exactly to what arises as the meditator in this system moves from the 7th stage to the 8th stage and then there's an interesting thing that happens this system continues on through stages 8, 9 and 10 to samatha the other system takes a detour through what are known as uh, what's known as the knowledge of dissolution and then what are called the dukkha jnanas the knowledges of of, uh, 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 fear misery disgust (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then the uh, uh, reflection and the determination and then finally coming to a knowledge is called the knowledge of equanimity towards formations which happens to correspond exactly to the tenth stage in this system, Samatha. If you line them up side by side, they both come to this stage together. Now, from in the Vipassana system, from the knowledge of equanimity towards formation, and the meditator has presumably, by the time they reach this, already gained insight into. The characteristics of impermanence and no self and suffering, or emptiness and suffering. And so, when they reach this stage of knowledge of equanimity towards formations, then the next thing that uh, happens very quickly in succession is, is the transition to becoming a stream entrant, a first stage of awakening of enlightenment. Now, in this stage here, and in this process here, a meditator that reaches the tenth stage of samatha may have acquired the same insights along the way. And if they have, the same thing is going to happen. That from the tenth stage, they are going to achieve the awakening. Or if they haven't, it is from this tenth stage that they will be able to achieve those insights very quickly and achieve awakening. So you see, if you understand these systems and line them up together, you'll find that they're really not that different from each other. Not only that, when we get into... I'll get out of this more esoteric stuff right now. When we get into the nuts and bolts, the beginnings of it, you sit down to meditate, and the first thing that you discover is the wandering mind, the forgetting what you're doing. You forget what you're doing, your mind wanders for, who knows, 30 seconds, 10 minutes, and then you suddenly realize, oh, I was meant to be doing whatever practice you were doing. And it doesn't matter whether it's a Vipassana practice or a Samatha practice. It's gonna, you're going to have exactly the same experience. You're going to sit down, and before you know it, you realize you spent the last five minutes daydreaming. or Well, we'll go into all the different possibilities of that. <clears throat> you're going to go through, no matter what practice you do, you're going to go through exactly the stages, same stages of refinement of your skills and what your mind does. You know. And as I pointed out in my discussion earlier, right up to the very final stage of the processes, you'll see they correspond to each other, one another. So what I'm teaching you, if you take these ten stages here of Samatha practice, you can apply them to any meditation system that you take up except, of course, for an advanced system without doing the prior work. You mentioned Mahamudra. But if you do Mahamudra properly, you do this first. As a matter of fact, if you get the Moonlight Mahamudra, you'll see that the first half of the book is following these stages to develop samatha Then you practice Mahamudra. Now, the fact is, you can start practicing Mahamudra at the seventh or eighth stage. And... Know, if we get that far in this discussion you know I'll point that out but there but uh, when I say that you can practice you, you can do any practice use this as as a guide to gaining mastery and skill for any practice I really mean it the, the formal practice of Mahamudra assumes you've already done this but if you said okay that's what I'm going to do you're still going to start with this So this is going to be something that you can use no matter what system of practice you choose to follow. Any questions about that? And the reason is simple. It's based on psychology. It's based on how the mind actually works. And so it applies universally. All of our minds... We come to meditation with a similar set of problems that are the challenges that we confront when we try to meditate. And so they all need to be overcome in the same way. And the secret of this, and what makes it so powerful, and uh, the reason that I'm so eager to put it out there to you and to as many people as possible, is that it simplifies a very complex problem. And it takes the approach of first things first. What is the most immediate problem? And how does this problem arise? And what can we do about it? And then, and then it moves to the, the next challenge, and then the next, so it goes progressively. And uh, part of the real secret of it is you don't you don't try to deal with something that belongs uh, in stage four or stage five when you're still in stage two or stage three. and that makes it a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable and a lot more satisfying. but most of all it makes it work really well. So the whole the whole secret to this is that it's it, that it's based on the way the mind works, it starts with the simplest, most doable things first, and you do them, and then you acquire a skill. Then your mind becomes trained in a particular way. Now you can take on the next thing, and it's just so much more. It's so much easier because you already have the first basic skill that allows you to move on to the next. Yes. But
3: it seems like that first basic skill.
0: And just it is. It is. It absolutely is. I agree with you. Is it like that roller coaster where you
3: just go up and up and up and up and up and up and
0: up? Finally, uh, <laughs> finally...
3: Uh, you
0: know. Well, it, it it really... it It is because uh, once you've gotten past the problems of, uh, uh, of forgetting and mind-wandering, everything else after that is a lot easier. Um, It's like the roller coaster still goes up and down. So there there are some places in in, in the process that might take a longer time and some happen more quickly. But you're really over the biggest hump once you get to, to that place where you no longer forget what you're doing and your mind wanders. So... You can look forward to that, but also there's a lot of ways that you see what usually happens is people sit down to meditate, and uh, this didn't come up. Uh, we didn't talk about what meditation is in these kinds of terms. But a lot of people think, well, I've got to stop thinking. Okay, so if I'm supposed to meditate on you know whatever it is, meditate on the breath, meditate on the Buddha image, meditate on a mantra, whatever it is, they think, well. I'm supposed to pay attention to this, and I'm supposed to stop thinking. Well, you can't stop thinking, which I'm sure those of you who have tried spent some time trying to meditate have found out. You can't stop thinking. But you can train your mind in such a way that your mind will stop thinking. It, it, you know, It happens by itself. You create the causes and conditions, and then what you want happens by itself. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing over this, over this next couple of days. We'll start with the basics. Some of you, I know, have already been meditating for a while, but uh, hopefully think of it this way. If you've been doing this for a while, uh, you, might, you still might learn something helpful that you didn't know before, but at the very least, It'll give you a better understanding, so maybe you can help somebody else. But you can pass along what what you've learned and help somebody else to become a better meditator. Okay. So uh, and so wherever you are in this process, uh, some of you uh, some of you may have meditated for some time, and maybe you're at the point where you don't uh, you don't forget the meditation object and have your mind wander anymore. Uh, and that's fine, we'll get around to talking about that. For the benefit of you who are beginners, you may start to feel like, well, is there any point in me listening to the rest of this? But, but there is, because you're going to get to that place. You need to know where you're going, and you need to know why you're doing what you're doing now, in the beginning, and why you're leaving some of these other things for later. So do you have any questions? What about? No questions. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's talk about let's talk about our minds to start with. Okay. Before we talk about training our minds to function in a very different way, let's talk about the way they already function now. All right. So we are conscious beings, right? Whatever that means, we'll try not to define that. To in in, in too detailed a way at this point if we can just all agree that we kind of know what it means to be conscious and we're all conscious Um, and when we're conscious we're always conscious of something right? does anyone here have an experience or an idea that would correspond to being conscious but not being conscious of something kind of goes together. If you're conscious, there's always an object of consciousness, right? Okay. And so we go through our lives, and are we conscious of everything around us? Not by any means. A, a, A tiny part of what is around us. If you just take a moment right now, and let's do that, just take a moment right now, First of all, explore all the sensations in your body and ask yourself, how many of them was I aware of uh, a moment ago? And same thing, sounds. How many of the sounds, there's a hum, some piece of machinery. Were you aware of that before? Some might have been, some not. There's been all kinds of sounds, though. And then, of course, visually, uh, if you were to close your eyes, could you accurately describe everything around you in this room? Or even what the person next to you is wearing? Probably not. I mean, maybe some of you would. But I would guess that most of you wouldn't and this just illustrates the fact that indeed we have a limited capacity for conscious awareness this is not news and with that limited capacity there's a certain selectivity that takes place you are aware of one thing at the expense of other things that you're not aware of and if we look at the way we speak we Pay attention to some things and not to others. Right? We're we're consciously aware of those things that we pay attention to, and we uh, may not be aware uh, of those things that we don't pay attention to. Now let's look at our attention. Uh, it moves around. We just moved it around. I ask you to ex- explore the sensations in your body and. You moved your attention around and you you moved it from one place to another and became consciously aware of different things. The same thing with hearing and seeing. This is taking place all the time, right? Attention is constantly moving around. Let's think about how attention moves. How attention changes. I said moves, but maybe before even we look at how attention moves. uh, When you become aware of something that you weren't before, is it always because your attention moved? That, that would be a movement of attention. Or uh, if uh, an argument started on the other side of this screen, your attention would go to that. And your attention would move away from what you were paying attention to before. But, of course, sometimes something just intrudes and in your, your attention doesn't move but something intrudes. And in. sometimes your attention is taken over. Sometimes you deliberately move your attention as we did a little while ago. So, But the the, the point is that whatever it is that you're aware of is constantly changing. And that can be under your deliberate control. But there's a huge amount of movement of attention and change of the contents of attention that you are not in control of, right? But you can deliberately direct your attention. So this is an ability that you're born with and you exercise many times every day. Even though the vast majority of the movements of your attention, and tell me whether you agree with this or not. I would say the vast majority of the movements of your attention throughout the day are not deliberate. They're not intentional. They are they happen spontaneously or something like The pinprick draws your attention, but it's not intentional, right? But nevertheless, you wouldn't be able to function. You wouldn't be able to do your job if you didn't have the ability to direct your attention. That's a good thing, right? And of course, that's what we're talking about when we meditate, isn't it? That you you are intentionally directing your attention somewhere, wherever. And you have to have an object... Of conscious awareness so you're going to be directing your attention to something that uh, it could be a physical object but or it could just conceptually be an object but it is something that's going to be the object of your conscious awareness when your attention is in that place so meditation is about first of all learning to direct your attention and then sustain your attention. Now, if you think about it, throughout your day, your attention rests on something. It rests on something for a period of time. It may be very brief, or it may be extended. What determines how long your attention rests on any one thing?
2: Sometimes your interest in that object of attention?
0: Absolutely, your interest. That is one thing. Some things are intrinsically more interesting. Something that is very attractive or desirable will hold your interest. Something that is threatening will hold your interest. Or something that is novel and unusual will hold your interest. But sooner or later, the attention is no longer sustained and moves to something else, right? So think about this a little bit more what determines how long your attention is sustained on something? Well,
3: it's how long you find it interesting, or, or it's not overcome by something else that intrudes and pulls it away.
0: That's right. When something else comes along that's more interesting, your attention, then the attention is no longer sustained on the first thing. And it is a relative thing between the two, Right? So, if I am concentrated on something that is very important to me, you know, if, if, uh, if I keep my attention on this, I win a million dollars. Or if I don't keep attention, my attention on this, a sword comes down on my neck. Uh, I'm not going to be easily distracted, right? But if I'm paying attention to the circles that two flies make on the window screen and something more interesting, interesting comes along, for sure... It's going to go, right? So, uh, attention moves uh, naturally in favor of what seems to be more important, more novel, more attractive, more dangerous, more whatever. This is one of the ways that attention moves. This is what determines the movement of attention, determines the end of sustained attention. But, does your attention stay on one thing just until something more interesting comes along? No, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, even when you are engaged with something that is relatively interesting, isn't there a tendency for your attention to keep checking through a whole lot of other possibilities? You know, uh, a thought comes up or a memory. Uh, or a sound, or something that's in your visual field, or a bodily sensation, and you briefly check it out to see if it's more important because you have a limited capacity for conscious awareness. And you have to, your mind has to do that. Your attention has to constantly scan to make sure that what you're paying your attention to now that's a good word, isn't paying attention, right? <laughs> So what you're paying your attention to now is worth it. It's important enough that there's not something much more important that, you know, while you're watching the flies, your foot isn't on fire, for example. So you, you <laughs> So there is a natural spontaneous movement of the mind. And we find that when we sit down to meditate. Uh, we sit down to meditate, and of course if something more interesting comes along, the mind immediately wants to go to it but even if nothing more interesting comes along the mind says well this this is not very interesting i'd better look around and see if there's something more important going on so on the one hand this is a very important normal function of the mind we could not survive in the world if we didn't do that if you if you if if your mind doesn't cast around for something more important you have all the problems of the proverbial absent-minded professor, right? You know, leaves the tea kettle on and burns the house down and things like that. But fortunately for most of us, our mind does what it's supposed to do. And the attention spontaneously moves and scans all the different possible fields of objects of awareness to see whether or not there's something more important to be attending to. On the other hand, when we sit down to meditate, That is a major problem. So we need to look at this and see what we can do about it. Well, we've already seen that we have a natural ability to direct the attention to something. And then it's going to stay there for a period of time which expires. Expires for a lot of reasons. But there is obviously some mechanism of your mind that has to do with when it expires when the mind decides, well, enough of this, let's go and have a look around and see if there's anything else. So we could call that mental mechanism uh, the faculty of uh, sustained attention. And we can deliberately sustain our attention. We know that. Because you do it all the time. Even something that you're not terribly interested in, you can make yourself sustain your attention on for a certain period of time but not indefinitely. Although that is rather like a muscle. You can train that faculty of mind called sustained attention and be able to extend the period in which you can uh, keep your mind still. So,
3: so that I interpret that as once you um, are thinking about your breathing to use that Mm -hmm. object, there's something you're doing as you think about your breathing to try to sustain it there. There's some Mm -hmm. activity or process you are applying Mm
0: -hmm.
3: to try to keep it there. And that ability gets stronger over
0: time. Um, Actually, there's a little more to it than that. Let's let's get a little subtler here. Uh, Most of the time, the duration of sustained attention on ordinary objects in the course of the day is not something that you have deliberately chosen, right? It just seems to happen. But it happens. It's not random either, because the attention is naturally sustain on certain kinds of things longer than others so there is some sort of logical processing even though it's unconscious behind that so let's let's call it an unconscious mechanism that normally it, you're not normally conscious of this faculty of sustained attention but it's constantly working you can temporarily through conscious intent cause attention to be sustained longer, but you're actually influencing a, a, an unconscious or subconscious process when you're doing that. Can you see that? Did I lose anybody yet? Okay, nobody's shaking their head. nodding their head. Okay. <laughs> um, because this is the way I want you to think about this, is that there is this mental faculty that you already possess that automatically functions and determines how long your attention is sustained, you can intentionally interact with that unconscious faculty and in the process, train it. And so we have two, let's sum this up, we have two natural abilities, directed attention and sustained attention, that we can intentionally control, but most of the time, 90-whatever percent of the time, we're not in control of them. They're operating automatically according to their own program, their own causes and conditions. And we can see that in order to cause the mind to become still and stop moving around so much, if we could take those two abilities that we already have, directed attention and sustained attention, and train them, so they do what we want them to do, when we want them to do it. Meditation would be easy, right? Now we don't want, we don't want, uh, 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 we couldn't if we wanted to. But the object isn't to create a kind of mind where it never, the attention never moves unless we intentionally move it. I mean that would be absurd. That would be ridiculous. Uh, we wouldn't survive very long. Same thing with sustained attention. If your mind just stayed stuck wherever you last left it until you thought of moving it, it it would just not be good. So what you want, if you're a skilled meditator, when you go out in the street, or when you drive a car, or when you go to work, then these automatic processes work at least as well as they always have. Maybe a little better because now your ability, the, the, the degree to which directed and sustained attention respond to your intentions and the needs is greater. But the rest of the time they're still functioning automatically and carrying out the job that you need them to. But when you go and sit down on the cushion, those abilities are conditioned so that they respond to intention I don't know if you formulate the intention that I am going to do this practice then the mind is the attention is directed to whatever the center of that practice is and stays there the sustained attention practically keeps it there then then you're a great meditator right and then the bell rings and you get up and the automatic processes of directed and sustained attention turn on again and uh, keep you alive and functional and doing well and performing as you should in the world. That's the ideal situation, right? Any disagreement? or Do you understand me? Do you follow me? Any unclarity here? What
4: about the sustained attention if it's directed at yourself all the
0: time? If... You know what I mean when, okay, ahead. what about would you would this be a case where you're deliberately directing your attention? No,
4: you don't want it deliberately, you know, it's not a skillful means, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But yet, um, I don't know, karmatic seeds, whatever. Why is it coming back?
0: If you find that you okay, let me just I, I make sure I understand your question. Are <clears throat> Are you, you're, you're not actually talking about the theoretical scenario that I presented for training the mind right now. You're talking about what about the yeah, case where.
4: It's almost like a rumination.
0: You're always reflecting on yourself. Or what's going to happen. Right. Okay. Uh, that would be a good. Uh, could we call that worrying about yourself? Sure. Okay. That would be a really good example of one of the benefits of Rest, meditation, mm-hmm. Or restlessness. Or restlessness, yeah. That's, that's a really good example of the benefit of meditation. If you have trained your mind such that these automatic faculties of direct, directed and sustained attention will respond to your consci- conscious and deliberate intention, then you can apply it when that happens. And this is one of the wonderful things about meditation. If you develop this skill and you find yourself worrying, you can deliberately redirect your attention away from those thoughts. Or some, sometimes people get depressed and they have you know cycling negative thoughts. This is sort of the basis of clinical depression, is that people keep recycling the same bad thoughts over and over again, and it'll keep reinforcing the emotional state they're in. And this training, the wonderful thing about this training is that when, if you can teach a person with that kind of problem uh, even a small degree of this skill, then they can start whenever they are aware that those negative thought processes are starting to go again, they can redirect their attention successfully and sustain it on something else you know it it doesn't mean that they do this once and, and and forever it never goes back but to the degree that they have succeeded in training those faculties they will be able to successfully redirect their attention they may have to keep doing it over and over but they can redirect it whereas before they couldn't and to the degree that which they've learned to sustain their attention on the meditation object they can sustain their attention on some different thought process and create a longer period of time where they're not preoccupied with that negative process, that negative thought process. So, uh, once you have the skill, is skill the right name? I think it is. As long as you don't make the mistake of thinking it's something that you're doing. It's not something that you do. The only thing you do was repeat some simple actions over and over again that we're going to talk about. Meditative, uh, meditative training. And by the way, meditation, the word we say meditation in English, uh, Bawana uh, is training of the mind is what it means. That's, that's really... So when we have succeeded in training our mind in this way, even to a moderate degree, we are going to be able to use it very effectively in many ways. And so that example you mentioned is one of them.
4: And it's a little bit more than avoidance training, then?
0: Uh, it's completely different than avoidance training. It's, you have, the, what you have done is retrained exactly the same mental faculties that were causing the problem before to respond to your conscious intent. And so, you know, it, it's, it is a process of conditioning, but it's not, I mean, if simple avoidance training would work to overcome depression, all a person would have to do would realize how terrible they feel when they're depressed, and they would avoid that mental process. But it doesn't work that way. You got to get down to the nitty gritty nuts and bolts of it is somehow the mind has a habit of keeping growing back to these things. And if you don't have, if you don't have the, the, Uh, the mental skill to uh, change that process, then you're just at the mercy of it being repeated over and over again. Okay. Let me go back to this basic point here. Do Do you like this idea that you already have the mental abilities of directed and sustained attention? All you have to do is train them so that they respond more readily to your conscious intent than they do so far in your life. I mean, you already have directed and sustained attention, and they already respond to your conscious intent. So all you have to do is improve that.
3: Um, I want to poke at the sustained attention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're saying that those are two different skills, to use that that word, I guess, or capabilities to direct and then but I could see that maybe they're the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you direct. Yeah. And then, wait, 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 it's starting to go, so you redirect. Right. You, know, you just direct quicker. Yes,
0: yes, and yes. And
3: that, that's the same. Absolutely. Okay, I absolutely, absolutely,
0: I absolutely, totally agree with you. And I decided a long time ago, I'm going to let the cognitive psychologist and the neuroscientist solve that one. In the meantime, it works really, really well. In practice, (laughs) to divide them into two, because then we can deal with them separately in what our. (laughs) I'm
3: fine with dividing them into two, but to me, the reason you would divide them into two is so that you can train us to do different things to do each one of those. That's right. So you're going to talk this weekend, I guess, about what you actually do to improve this sustaining.
0: That's right. Yeah, to, to improve sustained attention and also to make directed attention much more responsive. Okay. And it's actually really simple. How do you make this muscle stronger? It By lifting. So through repetition, it becomes stronger. Now, if you were to try to make this muscle stronger in an action that also involved 16 other muscles of varying degrees of strength at the same time, is the training going to be as rapid and effective? No. No. So another key thing is, yes, we're going to train these things and we're going to train them. We're going to start off just training them by themselves and we're not going to worry about doing anything else until we've got those mental muscles working better.
3: But still, those two things, the directed and sustaining, are you talking about training those together or training just one?
0: Well, we're going to be training them at the same time. Okay, okay. But we're going to make progress. So we're, we're going to do different things to train each one. Okay. And each uh, one may progress faster than others, and it may not always be the same in every person. But let's look at how this is going to work. Okay. Um, Let us see. We, uh, we're running out of time. I better not get into anything very... Okay maybe we'll leave that till tomorrow morning. Let's just say uh, we've got a, a few minutes left tonight. Does anyone have any questions about what we've talked about? Uh, and uh, does anyone have any enthusiasm for the idea of what we're going to do? Yeah.
1: I can't wait to go home and just start, you know, not sitting on the cushion, but watching myself direct my attention and sustain it and what in the world interrupts and takes it somewhere else. Just wonderful, wonderful idea. Yes, I- my key <laughs> forgetting that I was going to do something.
0: That's a wonderful idea. You start right this minute and start doing that and that's, that's going to contribute really very well to your success in this process. Yeah.
3: But just be careful driving. <laughs> 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 it's true.
1: But,
0: you know, it's, it's really interesting when you're driving to see the way your attention moves. And especially, you know, uh, uh, how far you can drive without being consciously aware. <laughs> <laughs>